Hey listeners, before we get into this episode, I have a quick ask to make. I started this podcast as a research project on how to be a top individual contributor in the product design space. My goal for the show was to learn what it takes to be an individual contributor that's doing amazing, impactful work that they love doing day in and day out and getting paid top dollar while they do it. Becoming that type of individual contributor is the ultimate job security. With close to 100 hours of interview recordings, this has naturally led to the creation of the short form video articles that synthesize my learnings into 10 minute listens of actionable content. You might recognize these as my morning walk episodes or the hashtag shorts episodes. To my surprise, those episodes have been very well received and listeners have enjoyed the synthesis of what I've learned. This has led to the next chapter of my research project, which is beginning to synthesize what I've learned into a new newsletter called Thinking Out Loud About Design that you can subscribe to right now for free. Thinking Out Loud About Design is an email newsletter and podcast that basically contains all my synthesis for my long form interviews. It's pure distilled learnings that you can apply to your career immediately. This content is for you if you are a couple years into your career and you're trying to make that move from mid-level to senior designer and senior designer to staff designer. I mainly focus on becoming high-performing individual contributors in the product design industry. A free subscription gives you full access to the newsletter, podcast episodes, and website. You won't have to worry about missing anything because every new edition of the newsletter goes directly into your inbox. So my ask is this. If you have gotten any value out of the way of product design, or if it's helped you in any way or someone you know, please subscribe to Thinking Out Loud About Design and get the distilled learnings on being a staff-level individual contributor. You can find a link to the newsletter in the show notes of every episode of this podcast and on my LinkedIn page. Just look up Caden Damiano. Thanks again for listening and supporting the way of product design. I wouldn't be doing this if you guys weren't listening. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the way of product design. I'm Caden Damiano. We know design is valuable, but how can you unlock its true value and tie your design work to business impact? This show interviews product designers, product managers, and tech leads from places like Google, Domo, Divi, IBM, Intuit, and Uber to find out what makes a valuable product designer and how you can be one as well. Hey, podcast listeners, uh, this is Caden. Uh, we are going to be delving into the Dallas design community today and talking with Aladrian Goods, who is a content designer at Intuit. I asked her if she uh, talks to me when I'm like doing my taxes, but apparently you're not doing the content for TurboTax, but for you're talking to our accountants, but you're meeting yep. the voice of Intuit's products, and I am super glad to have her on today. Aladrian, could you just introduce yourself to the listener, just talk about your career so far? Yeah, thank you, Caden, for having me. I'm really excited to be on the podcast today. Uh, so like you said, I am a content designer at Intuit, and I just, I'll give you just the quick rundown on how I got to be a content designer. Uh, so I started out my career in marketing events for tech companies back in 2012. And I always, you know, loved creating 
user-centered experiences um, and would spend time like, you know, doing the events, but also spend time talking to our devs um, and people on the product side just to get an understanding of how they build the products. And uh, also in college, I, I was a part of a startup and was really interested and intrigued by design, but I always thought that design was about coding and I tried HTML, CSS, and that really wasn't my vibe. Um, I still wanted to like connect with people and be able to influence those experiences. So I just stayed on the marketing side of things, um, did events, did digital marketing, and ultimately, I ended up uh, working at an agency in LA and wasn't really making enough money to live and work in LA. Or, and my great aunt basically said, uh, you know, I love you, but I'm retiring for the second time, so you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here rent free. Um, so she lovingly kicked me out, um, but that was kind of the boot I needed. So I moved to Texas in 2016 to kind of restart my career. And it gave me an opportunity to start to research and start to look into different uh, avenues of getting back into tech. And it took me a few years to do it, um, but I took this quiz, uh, I think it's called Career Explorer or something like that, and UX design was at the top of the list. So learning about UX design and seeing that, oh, wow, it's, it takes, you know, uh, user center approach to building products. I don't need to code. Let me go ahead and jump in and figure out how I can learn this a little bit more. So I, um, I'm, gonna, I'm skipping around. So tell me if I'm doing, if this is not making sense. No, you're doing great. Um, no, this is, this is great. I mean, you, you also mentioned that for a little while before you're getting back into tech that you were, you had a bachelor's degree and you were working like three different jobs you were overqualified for. I think that shows a lot of hustle. Yeah, definitely. Right. So like, yeah. So in, in one of those jobs, that was, uh, uh, it was, it was working in the basement of JC Penney headquarters in their contact center. Uh, gave me some time to really, uh, <laughs> <laughs> figure out some stuff, you know, I just knew that that literally wasn't what I was going to do ever again in life. Um, so, uh, did that ended up, I was working at a retail, uh, a sports fan store, um, for the Cowboys and I was working at the local grocery store and in the local grocery store I met someone who had gone to my same university like 10 years before me But hmm. we lived in the same building on campus um, And she was able to you know, we exchanged information She helped me get the job I had at Toyota and the job at Toyota helped me fund my UX design program at Career Foundry and I uh, finished that in 2000, March 2019, applied to jobs, and Intuit was the first company to give me a phone interview, and the rest was history. Wow, that's a great story. So it's, it's a lot, it was a lot of uh, serendipity. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, it's, um, I've been talking to, um, just uh, in a few of my interviews, just talking about how the role of just probability and luck just play into people's careers. I mean, J.B. Joukowsky, for example, he talks about how mm -hmm. James like bet on him, bet on him twice. Mm -hmm. um, and he wouldn't be where he was today unless someone like just the right person was there to introduce you to someone. And yep. And yes, it's I I, I talked to JV this morning, so that's so funny you brought him up. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely about having advocates um, who see something in you and then give you the opportunity to kind of show up 
um, at your best. And I would say that about Michelle Camarillo, who I met in that grocery store on that random night <laughs> in Texas, in Frisco, Texas. Uh, she gave me the opportunity. And then also uh, Angie Neary, who's the hiring manager who hired me, uh, kind of took a risk and gave me the opportunity to be the first content designer for our product team. And she's continued to um, give me more opportunities. Uh, so one of the projects we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, it, it was it was sort of her kind of throwing me into the deep end and uh, trusting that I had the skills to, to actually uh, swim. So it was it's been it's been good. Yeah. Having those people on your team is really important. So you you become uh, the first uh, full time content designer at Intuit, but you didn't start out full time. You started out part time content designer, part time product designer. What caused right. two questions so that I mm -hmm. could uh, give you some room to go on a rant if you want to. Now, the first cool. one is what happened for the business to see like the value in you just going full time content design and then two. What is content design? Because that's not exactly like a very common role outside of large companies. And mm -hmm. I think answering both those questions talks about uh, the business value, or at least introduce it and introduces it a little bit. Yeah, that's a great, great question. So I think I'll start with like, what is content design um, to try to, you know, give us a foundation and then start to figure out like why I moved from being like a hybrid product and content designer to just, um, more so like the content design. So Sarah Richards has a really good definition of content design. And Sarah Richards, she's like the birth mother of content design as a discipline. Um, anyone who's interested, you if you search content design, Sarah Richards, she would be the first person um, <laughs> there. But she says uh, content design is being like, is not limited, not limiting yourself to actually the words on the page, but thinking of the, illustrations, the charts, the numbers, the animations, um, where you don't need words and figuring out like crafting the appropriate combination of those pieces of content to really address the user's needs. And, you know, when designing content, it, it does still follow the, the, the double diamond method. Um, like we'd still start with research. We talk to customers, um, and it's really important in content design to talk to customers. So you know what the customer's language they're using and what they're expecting to see, because you're literally communicating with them in, um, through the interface. So you want to make sure that you're using words that mean something to them that, you know, and doesn't sound too technical or too, um, like jargony, even if it is an accountant or even if it is like a super technical person, you still want it to be conversational. Um, and then for the role I was hired for, so it was product content design and being a content designer in the product team. And I think uh, the initial goal was for me to be like a 50-50 split because I was able to, there were still some XD needs on our team, um, but we started to see that, you know, there's the amount of work that content, was, amount of work of content that was needed in our uh, business unit was outgrowing like my speed in delivering like XD stuff. So it was it was almost a uh, like opportunity to just kind of lean more 
into this. But what's cool about being a content designer is that, you know, Intuit has a great Intuit design system, like repping the shirt today, um, Intuit design system. So I can pull components and stuff from like our sketch libraries and still use the, um, the components to do product design. Uh, but it also allows me to think about the content in context of the design and even influence the design based on the content that needs to be present there. So, so it's not just words and wordsmithing. It's also deciding like, should an illustration go here? And like, right. what, what does that look like? So do you, you, you have to have like full-time illustrators. So like you do the research and you, you start developing content requirements for certain steps of the flow. Once you come up with those requirements, how does the XDs, how do the illustrators kind of fit into that? Yeah, that's a great point. So usually I work pretty closely with our experienced design team. Yeah, those are my teammates. Shout out to them. Um, yeah, so I, I work pretty closely with them. So it usually starts off with like a kickoff meeting. Uh, so they've either already done research, um, like some discovery work on the, the feature or the enhancement that they're working on. Um, they may have already kind of kick-started the project. Um, or it could be early, right? Like they're just like, hey, I just got... Um, add it to the story. I know we're going to need content help. I want to kind of give you a rundown of, you know, what I'm thinking, where we might need content, um, any of those. So I get, that gives me opportunity to get the context of the feature, understand how they think through the interaction, um, if they've thought through the interaction. And then if not, like we can collaborate, we'll get on the whiteboard, kind of draw some potential options, um, up that way. Uh, and, that's that's kind of like the brainstorming part of it. So once they go into designs and like wireframes, they will either from Figma, I'll have access to that. So I'll see what they're doing and try to um, I'll probably copy those and, and kind of go through the content iterations um, on my own sort of screen. Um, or if they're complete, they're done with the high fidelity screens and they need, they need content. What they'll do is um, upload them to a vision tag me in the specific places where they need content. I'll take those screens, put them in this resource I call a copy doc, which is essentially just captures the voice and tone, the audience and the revisions of the copy um, in one place. And then I go through on the copy doc at like what's existing content there, uh, go through some explorations of different versioning of that. And if it doesn't make sense like to, to uh, have words there, then I'll talk to the designer. Like we have a we have an icon set or illustration set, um, already that we can we can use. And I'm saying, well, maybe we don't need to uh, say enter your email, right? Like maybe we can just use the email um, icon to communicate that, right? And then maybe use like ghost text um, instead of a label, you know what I mean? So like, that's like a, a really small example, but it's, it's really a collaborative effort. And we sit there, we, we, um, or I can, I like one example and let me know if I'm rambling or talking too much. I, I definitely, um, so there's one example, uh, we were working on this feed, this, this process for, um, resubmitting a application, like 
it's really nerdy, boring tech stuff. But there was the 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 designer, the experience designer, kind of came to me with this like idea of a card, um, and then the card would change, and the illustration in the card would change every time like the status would change. And I'm like, well, this isn't really like it's what if this, this seems like more of a like a flow, right? Like you submit it, it gets reviewed, it gets approved, rather than having like the card change like what if we just put the process up front so they know like this is step one this is step two and this is step three and that was an example of just thinking about like okay cool who is the customer trying to do here like they're trying to understand like where they are in this this reapproval process not um and we don't want to we want to make that as simple and clear as possible so that's that's way like one example of how I, you can use content to even inform the design of a of a feature. So what? Is, so if you're worrying about content and uh, mm-hmm. like what's going on in the flows, then the XDs are worried more about um, the interaction design then, and the like layout and stuff like that. I, I'm having trouble reconciling those jobs because. Um, for a lot of designers that maybe work at companies with a thousand employees and maybe like a significantly smaller design team, mm-hmm. you know, we can't like, I can't imagine not writing the content on my own, but mm-hmm. it does, it, obviously there is a huge ROI for having someone just think about it all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at any Intuit product, um, it's everything's just so intentional and on the nose. I mean, well, not on the nose, but like on point for mm-hmm. what message you're trying to communicate on a screen, um, which really helps usability. Um, like, ha- can you help me like parse out the the responsibilities of like, okay, yeah. so now that we have someone that's thinking about content design, like, mm-hmm. like what, wh- how that fr- that frees up time for me as the XD to do what like can be more productive doing what yeah that's a that's a great question and it is it is kind of murky right like it's it there's it's not like a hard cut um there's there's also oftentimes like a hard cut between like a marketing experience content designer and a product experience content designer right so like our MXD content designers, they work on everything from landing pages to like emails to um, things that happen on the marketing side. But as soon as it comes to the product, that's what I'm working on. Right. And that could be in product notifications. That could be tool tips. That can be instructions. That can be um, like first first time use flows and things of that nature. But uh, to your question is now that there's someone thinking about um, how we should say this, uh, how it matches our voice and tone guidelines, um, how it, you know, ties into like what marketing is saying and bringing it into product, but not selling to customers, but still, you know, it's, it still has the same essence and really delivering on those product, uh, on those reasons to buy and things that they promoted in marketing. Me as the XD designer, um, well, I'm the content designer, but uh, my teammate as the, the XD um, uh, designer, they get to focus more on the actual like flows, the interactions, 
they can write like, hey, instructions will go here or they, you know what I mean? Like they don't have to think about like what those actual instructions are um, and they could, you know, like, hey, instructions go here on hover. They should see something like this. You know what I mean? So it's like it doesn't take them that extra five, ten minutes to come up with some something that works for now, but they may not have time to go back and revise later. And it gives me the time like that's my job is to sit there and ruminate over, hey, like, should we should how should we write this? Like, like and think of the words intentionally in every moment. And you don't just work on one product. You're you're a air quotes shared resource across (laughs) multiple product teams, right? Yes, that's correct. So, I mean, it is like a full time job to uh, ruminate um, and uh, really think about how the content's going to be playing across the whole uh, portfolio of products you're responsible for. I, I we have this uh, we definitely have this problem, and I'm sure a lot of companies that don't have content designers have this problem. Is that basically if you don't have one product uh, content designer, you have several which is every designer on the team and mm-hmm. the voice and tone starts to stray mm-hmm. across use cases and different parts of the portfolio. So mm-hmm. I can see like a big plus for just saying like, Hey, like I have identified these like five air states. They need to communicate like this message, this message and this message. You mm-hmm. think about like the actual wording of it. I'm going to move forward. Um, and then you could actually start seeing like, okay, well, this would also apply to the more like settings part of the mm-hmm. software mm-hmm. and you can maintain that consistency of voice, mm-hmm. right? So it kind of centralizes yeah. that decision-making. Yeah, hundred percent. And then it's like, and then it, it, it also like everyone can write, right? But that doesn't mean everyone should write the content. Um, and one thing I love about being at Intuit is that we have uh, content design leaders uh, who actually care so much about content. And we have a whole content design system. Um, people could check it out at contentdesign.intuit.com. Uh, but yeah, they've done a really great job. I think Michael Haggerty Via, he's the guy who like led the charge for getting this created. And it really helps us to have a unified voice across our Intuit products, right? Because we serve different customers. Like we have a small business and self-employed unit that's specifically like QuickBooks. Our consumer group is TurboTax and um, Mint.com. So they have little nuances of voice and tone, right? Like they'd be a little more casual, like they could be uh, a little more friendly, like you've experienced in TurboTax. And then we have like our um, Intuit accountants space. That's where I work, which is there's not a lot of freedom to be as witty or as fun, but we still need to uh, align with like into it that these people have come to like know and love. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to be that person. And just to also, we have, you know, content design councils. Um, so we as content designers get together to think about like nerd out about words that should go Mm. in the word list, you know, or like, Hey, should we use Oxford commas? or not like do it does punctuation go in titles you know so it's 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 people are really thinking about this uh so the developers and the designers they can but they don't necessarily have to 
tell me a little bit about um, your content design system. Like how how did that get made? Because you said that that's managed in the San Francisco office. Yeah, so Mountain View is like San Jose, but yeah. Bay Area. Yep. Bay Area, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like how how do how do how does someone go about defining like a robust um, content? Because if you're saying that like content design isn't just words, it's also like probably taking into account like how illustration should work and icons, right? Like as part mm-hmm. of the content design system. Like, mm-hmm. like it's it, more, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's really words. hard to, yeah. I mean, it's, it's both. Right. But it's, it's hard to delineate between it's a, it's like a, it's still, I, I would still consider it a part of UX design, but it's a, a specialized role mm-hmm. in UX design because it a content doesn't have, a like a finite space like it can show up in any different <laughs> different yeah. um ways and honestly the i am really lucky because i started at content design and content design at intuit last year and michael haggerty via and the team of content designers have put in so much work to get the design system up and running that when i was interviewing i found it and was able to use it to my like advantage you know what i mean whereas like i so i don't know how they did it or but i just know it took a, a lot of effort a lot of work um to really pull it all together yeah fair enough so uh, the content design system is it like a subset of the intuit design system yes so it's it's it overlaps a lot right so like the the core pieces of the content design system is like the voice and tone of the brand and we have our one Intuit voice and tone, which levels up to like the Intuit uh, design system. You know, like how do you how do you talk like Intuit? Like what are some of our what are our principles with when when we talk to customers? Um, like make it about them. It's not about us. Like simple like things like that. Um, and let's see the Intuit design system. So design system is more of about. Uh, like our topography, like what is the font style? Uh, what is our spacing rules? Like what are uh, what are our colors um, that we use and when do we use them? And we have a great team. Um, our IDS team is working really hard to bring all of them together. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think they, they, they're definitely connected, uh, but there's, there's, we're in the midst of all these things sort of coming to life and like coming together. Uh, so I'll keep you posted on how things evolve. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently it's not like the design culture at Intuit isn't that old from my understanding. Is that mm-hmm. the kind of, it's the, all, it's all new to me. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all like, new to me. But, uh, yeah, you're at a bigger company. There's obviously going to be, like, specialization within, like, the subset of product mm-hmm. design. But do you see um, that there could still be value at smaller companies having a designer just focus on words? Because um, where I work, we have a dedicated uh, team for design systems. We have like dedicated designers that just focus on maintaining and evolving the design system, working with our design mm-hmm. system developers to have mm-hmm. this scalable 
um, you know, way that we build UI. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering, like, is having someone that just worries about words, like, still applicable outside of a place like Intuit? Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, again, it's not just about the words. Yeah, It's really about the experience. And I think content is really the thread that ties everything together, right? Like when someone learns about it, that's content. When someone reviews it on your product on the marketing website, that's content. When someone decides to trial and try it out, that's content. How they experience going through the products, in our case, creating their first tax return, like they engage with content. And it's really building the relationship between that prospective customer and or prospective customer and your product and your brand. So I think it's really important to have someone who's a designer that's that's focused on content and can be the the um, like connector of this this experience. So, for example, like we started this, we did like the first end to end customer journey through a content lens uh, the, earlier this year. And it was a team. I think it was like eight or nine of us from all different not well walks of life yes but that's not what I wanted to say uh, all different um, all different teams right so some people were content a couple content designers myself and my friend Gian who's on our marketing design team we had folks from product marketing product management sales um, and care customer care like that's content like it, it's all about like content and what we learned in that experience was like okay our hypothesis was like, we send our customers way too much information. Uh, they're overwhelmed. They're not opening emails. They're not talking to us. They don't, that's why they don't, you know, buy our product. That was our initial hypothesis. But then once we did the customer journey, we're like, oh, well, actually, we don't talk to them enough, right? Like, we don't, we don't provide enough context and enough support during that initial trial phase that maybe their speed to proficiency or speed to benefit is, is, is longer because they can't you know, jump in and find that immediately. So it's, it, it's on, like, I think the onus is on the content designer to think about that at a higher level. Um, and that, that kind of leans into a little bit of content strategy too, but to think about that at a higher level and be the connector of all these different touch points that people have with the customer and really get them aligned on like, okay, cool. This is a, this is the customer journey. This is how you communicate with them here. Okay. This is where you hand off and this is how we begin to communicate. And this is how you communicate with them in product. This is how you communicate with them when you, uh, when they have a problem and it should feel like for the customer, it should feel like the same person or at least the same family, right? Like it shouldn't be, that hey in marketing they were hyping this up and then I got in product nobody knew anything about it and then when I called care they're like I don't know what you're talking about you know what I mean like yeah. you don't want those those disconnects because that really impacts the end user experience I think the hardest thing uh for XD related designers so people that um I guess like related to the specialties of like information architecture visual design mm-hmm. Like that's what they got into the profession for is kind of more towards those specialties. Um, the hard thing about everyone being a content designer because there isn't one is the fact that you have to go to these other team meetings and go across domains 
and across teams, which takes away from your time from actually focusing on what you're strong at. Mm-hmm. For me, that's like a huge time drain mm-hmm. is like working across a higher level organization, but still being required to deliver at a team level mm-hmm. at a high level of quality. So for me, the the content designer being able to like their job is to manage how the the voice and the communication to the customer across the whole like life cycle or mm-hmm. their whole journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds super valuable. Sounds like it has a huge ROI for the business. Just yeah. accounting for all those little things, all those little nuanced speaking. Because yeah, I think if you look at the wrong metrics, you know they're not not opening emails. They're they're not um, engaging with us. We're talking to them too much. We're overwhelming them. But I I would. I would go out on a limb and say that most companies don't talk to the customers enough. They might be talking mm-hmm. too much in the wrong mediums and the wrong channels, but like we're not, uh, we're definitely not um, being contextual to when the customer needs that information as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a great opportunity. <clears throat> like as the the content designer is, you know, I still have the contributions that I do. Um, uh, I mean. I still, you know, go to stand-ups. I still try to be engaged at, like, the core working team level um, just to provide additional context um, when they're thinking about, like, features and stuff so that they they start to think about, like, they start to care about content, um, too. But you start to realize, like, it's really about being a communicator and an influencer, not an Instagram, I'm going to sell tea mm-hmm. influencer, but just really influencing people. influencer. A Slack influencer, yeah. Like it, you just, you just, um, you get to. It's. It, I mean, I don't know. I I feel lucky to have found it because I didn't really know about content design until I started applying, and I was like, oh wait, I was kind of built for this. Like I, mm-hmm. I was made to do this. So. Yeah, for yeah. sure. The yeah, I mean, obviously, there's like the, the admin task that you have to do, but being able to be that resource. I don't think people realize like how how expensive it is to make like really like great products. I mean, like everyone's just like let's make as lean as possible and like make everyone generalists and stuff, but you look at the companies that are worth a lot and are have like high economic impact like into it, for example. Um <laughs> they they don't they obviously like get to a stage where they're not like a startup anymore and there's a growth stage. Mm-hmm. Um, like a growth stage part of the business where it's not as lean anymore. You're hiring. Well, you said there was like a hundred content designers in the Mountain View office. Yeah. So I looked it up because I knew you were going to bring that up. So it's, <laughs> there's 84 total of us. Oh, wow. Globally. Okay. You overhyped globally. it. <laughs> 84. Yeah, That's I still a lot a though. Bit, a little bit. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Because, you know, the Slack channel is like 132. So I just assumed that everybody mm-hmm. there was content designers. <laughs> but then I actually looked up on our like, internal system and there's 84. But the majority of them are in Mountain View, in our Mountain View office, working on our uh, small business and uh, self-employed software. Yeah. the But just having like these people just thinking about every little granular detail of the product um, is really like, I think that comes with when, it, when a company gets to a certain point in scales, like that's how you differentiate is that those small little details 
you know, but how, but I can see that influencing like rapid releasing when you have to talk to like multiple designers about mm-hmm. an experience, how, how, how does that influence like experimentation and releases and stuff or, or does it just, or, or does it just require high, high performance and like collaboration and stuff to quickly uh, experiment? I think it, yeah. I think sometimes like it is, um, it's a balance, right? And I'm often, so the way our teams are kind of set up, um, is that each designer is like focused on like one specific, uh, like vertical. Like we have some people who are like on our core team that are working on just like the core features of the product. We have some people working on like some partnership stuff, um, which is thinking of like new ways and new designs. And then we have people working on maybe like a different vertical, right? So like I'm the shared resource between all three of them, um, three or four designers. Um, so it really is like working to the pace of the designer. Like the earlier we have a kickoff meeting, the faster that we can get to like iterations and work. Um, uh, but it's like, it, there was times where I was just like, yo, I'm doing everything. Like I need something to stop. <laughs> like I, can't, <laughs> I, I need something to stop because there's only one of me. Um, but you know, it's ebbs and flows. Like right now I'm in ebb, like I'm very much kind of chilling. I presented my, um, work to our senior leadership team. It was well, well received. And now I'm doing some like customer discovery conversations. So waiting for those, um, to be scheduled and to do those, those conversations. Uh, so I'm not really like producing content at a high clip, uh, right now. Um, except for, you know, things like this podcast and being able to speak, um, on panels and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really ebbs and flows. Um, then sometimes like you, when there are like time constraints and dev is like, Hey, we need to get this out or we need to, to fix this. Then it's like, all right, well, let's just talk about this really quick. And sometimes as a writer, you just have to know that like, Hey, this is not my best, but this is the best for like right now, you mm-hmm. know? And an example of that is, you know, when, the worst, the worst thing about being a content designer or the one content designer is that sometimes things get deployed without, <laughs> without your consideration or without, yeah. you know, them reaching out. And then it's almost embarrassing. Like if there's a presentation, you know, and the content is not good and everyone knows like you're the one content designer, you know what I mean? And oh, then it's yeah. just like, I have to automatically be like, Hey, I didn't, I sent my recommendations. I don't know what this is. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know this piece. So of I don't work. know this. I have not seen her. I don't know her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's definitely, yeah. that's happened to me before where like there was like this hot fix and they forgot to include me in UX review. And then mm-hmm. when it shipped, it was just a mess. And then like, the executive team is just like, how could UX let this happen? And I'm like, I didn't like, yeah, you like gave them a tight timeline and like they deployed it like at two in the morning and <laughs> like <laughs> I wasn't up. I, yeah, I, I was sleeping. So, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I, actually that brings up, um, a question of mine, you know, per, going back to like that whole idea that like, you know, growth, growth stage companies, um, they, they have to behave a little bit differently than a startup. And I think everyone mm-hmm. like idealizes like how you work at a startup, 
is how you should work on when you're delivering any all any type of software that you gotta mm-hmm. move fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but th- that has problems, right? I mean, I'm not going to like make assumptions, but I'm going to make an assumption about that like case study you just said where they didn't include you is mm-hmm. that you were just one extra person they needed to talk to and they wanted to move fast potentially. Um, but when it comes to like a growth stage company, like you need to talk to everybody, which might slow down the process a little bit, but it makes you a little bit more surgical when you are releasing stuff. That's like my hypothesis I'm generating right now. But like, don't you think that like you need to be included in every release at least like that has to do with content, right? Right. Like Like, consult me, like at least if there's words on the page or if there's, you know, this is going out to a lot of people, I want to see it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to have an opinion, even if the opinion is like, yeah, that's good. You know, like one of my, um, my teammates, she sends me, any and everything even if it's mm. like should i say got it or should i say got it thanks yeah. <laughs> you know like, and i appreciate that or recently she sent me it was like a one-line uh introduction about mapping headers and she sent it to me on slack and i just took a look and i'm like yeah that's good you know so it's like when you work with your designers and and as a content designer uh when i have that relationship with them like it doesn't always require a 30 minute meeting, a working session to like make it happen. It could be uh, on Slack and I can say like, huh, I think this would work out better, you know? So I'm pretty easy to work with and pretty accessible. So it, it but it does happen. Like there's a type, tight timelines, um, things have to go out or you can give feedback already in a vision, but the developers haven't implemented the copy changes. That's, mm. that seems to be a, a, recurring experience (laughs) but it's all good yeah well i mean it's that's why we get paid the big bucks is to some complex problems a lot of moving parts to make an experience happen but Mm -hmm. it does sound like you have a really good relationship with your teammates to have that level of rapport where they're just looping you in really quick over slack like how did you go about establishing those expectations yeah, that's a great, great question. I think for me, it's I, since I was new and this is my first design job, full time design job. So I went in just asking questions and just eager to learn and eager to see like where they uh, needed help and where I could contribute. Uh, I think I jumped in, you know, some people put their toe in to try to check the temperature of the water. Like I just ran and cannonballed into the deep end, like when I first got here. So I think that gains garnered some respect from uh, my teammates and just asking questions and just like, hey, I think this is how this works. Um, and just being open to their feedback. And when I when we did solidify that content design and uh interaction design like rapport of you know doing the kickoff meetings getting things in envision tagging me in envision working on the copy doc once we kind of got that system together uh that really helped build the trust and build the routine of working in 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 the system so now we could just like slack each other and be like i trust the work that she's gonna do in this little 15 minutes Uh, on slack or five to ten minutes on slack um so it doesn't require me to add an additional meeting 
Okay, yeah. So it's it's about well, two things I've noticed. So like one is you you appeared very teachable, which I think established a level of confidence and trust that hey, like Eladrian isn't afraid to look dumb. <laughs> make a big splash, um, to figure something out. Um, yeah, for me, it's like, I, I do, I'm doing like a quick audit of the, the best collaborations I've had with Mm -hmm. people in the past, like where I'm confident enough that I like, well, I'm calm. I trust them enough to actually just do a quick Slack message. I'm like, especially with uh, the, like the quarantine lifestyle where everything's a little bit more asynchronous. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, which people, like, who are the people that I usually have to, like, my, I bias towards um, setting up a video, like a, a synchronous meeting to explain something mm-hmm. to them. And then who are the people that I'm comfortable just shooting off a quick Slack message? And that's almost mm-hmm. like, that's like a trust continuum right there mm-hmm. where if I have to, like, if I feel like I need to set up a, like a, an actual meeting in like a Zoom meeting with someone it's like I don't have that confidence that I could just slack them something really quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it's like, oh, I want to be that person that someone could just send me a Slack message and they trust me enough to like get it and understand mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. So like i'm uh I'm synthesizing something new right now, so just give me a second um <laughs> no, just take take your time yeah the uh, like what are some of the uh behaviors um in how you work like mm-hmm. that help establish that trust where someone doesn't need to actually synchronously contact you if that makes sense yeah uh that's a good question so uh, you're asking i hope so i hope it's a good question Um, (laughs) so basically like what do i do to build trust with my teammates so they feel confident that we could slack versus um have meetings um is that yeah i don't know i don't know what i do let me ask (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, just uh, let me shoot a sw- quick Slack message. Yeah, let see. me shoot a Slack message and see <laughs> if I get some feedback real quick. Uh, no, I think for me, it's, uh, I guess one thing I want to clarify is like, I typically have context about the project already mm-hmm. uh, because either it's shared out in one of our design reviews or design critiques, critic, critiques. I also go to every standup. I try to go to every standup. Um, during the week. So I have some context. So it's not like they're blindly sending me stuff that I have no clue yeah. about. If that's the case, if it's like, if I just get a message with like a Jira ticket, like, hey, we need help. I'm like, no, hop on a call. Cause I hate Jira, first of all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I'm, I just don't prefer it. So like, then I, I'd hop on the call, get a little, little context and be like, okay, got it. When do you need this by? How can I help? And then go from there. But if it's something that I've, we've already like worked on together and um, I, I've been almost like a part of the experience and I have context, then yeah, send me, send me a quick message and we can just chat. Um, so I think actions that I've taken is um, one, like try to ask as many questions as possible um, like to get that context whether it's in Slack or on a call. Uh, additionally is 
to be transparent. Like, hey, I have all this stuff doing, I have a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, can I get this to you in like two business days? It's usually the expectation and you kind of over promise under, or under, under promise over deliver. Yeah, I was that like, one. don't over promise. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that. And then, yeah. And, and also just thinking, don't just think narrowly. Uh, talk to JB about this, right? So mm-hmm. this morning, and he said, don't like, if you're giving like a tactical task, like try to figure out how you make it strategic, right? So don't just think about, oh, they need like uh, a modal message, like a, a modal dialogue. Like think about like, okay, what is the customer? Why did they get this? What is the job that they're actually trying to do? And how could we best help them get to get to accomplishing that task at hand. So taking something super small and trying to make it strategic. Um, and I think that's that's a way that I kind of build rapport, build trust within my team. And I, I try to deliver excellent work as well. Yeah, and that makes you sound smart too, is you're able to tie your tactical decisions to the bigger picture. And mm-hmm. if you could do that without being told what the bigger picture is, you just anticipate like, hey, this fits into these initiatives going on. Then mm-hmm. they're like, oh, whoa, like she's on top of things. Like I mm-hmm. could I could trust her with more um, responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I, it sounds like the to be a good content designer or like a good shared resource designer is just being really good at being on top of like what's going on, being informed Getting mm-hmm. getting ahead of everyone on context so that you don't have to, um, as much as possible, avoid having to do like a thirty minute uh, meeting where the whole like the whole point of the meeting is to say, "Hey, I need something tomorrow," <laughs> and uh, right. uh, like being able to be a proactive um, designer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm noticing that um, the the best designers that I have met are uh, usually uh, striving to be like six months ahead of everyone else, mm. like in the bigger picture. Like they, they're they're seeing where the company's going and they're tracking towards that at least like six months out, maybe, and mm-hmm. then like, you know, obviously like three years out on like where the product mm-hmm. is going. Um, mm-hmm. But that requires being very proactive, being very engaged in meetings, Mm-hmm. You know, not not multitasking in meetings, going like understanding where everything fits together, like you said, and I really like that uh, JB quote, um, where you're like, okay, if you hear something tactical, like strive to make it, um, tie it to something strategic or make it strategic. Mm-hmm. It might not even be mm-hmm. a strategic; it might just be some random tactic that, that provides no value to the business. And you're like, okay, well, yes, and you know, do some mm-hmm. improv, like. <laughs> Okay, yeah, well, exactly. how can we actually, like, make this, like, a valuable activity? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, for example, like, doing this, I mean, the Project Army's intended content strategy, or content, is a customer journey that's leading, is, like, our first thing to doing the content strategy, Project Army's, whatever. Um, that is, and it's inherently strategic, right? Like, because it's not about just understanding what like doing content or just doing the map just for the sake of doing it it's really seeing it at it's like at a high level 
Um, but I could have stopped and been like, okay, cool. I did it. Like it's done. But now it's, it's really, there's really an opportunity to, um, to see like some of the things we learned actually tie to some of the future, um, goals we have. So it really gives us a, a strategic opportunity to use content to drive some of those um, outcomes and those goals for uh, our next next tax year or next uh, next year. So, yeah, the, right. you, you definitely have to get like a year out um, at into it. Yep. Um, yeah. The uh, and also I feel like if you you're able to do that and, get, and perform at that high of a level where you can uh, be getting ahead by that much time, mm-hmm. life's just a lot easier. And less stressful <laughs> on your day to day. It does, like, and I think, yeah, and I think for me, it's 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 definitely a challenge. I, I'm, I've grown so much in this last year, but now to be thinking about like one, two, three years ahead, mm-hmm. um, but doing the work right now, I'm like, dang, like, okay, this is. I may not feel the benefit of it right now, but the work we're doing right now is really going to influence the growth um, going forward. There's a good quote um, from, uh, I forgot his name, but it's like the writer of uh, the Dilbert comics. And he talks Mm. about how when he was uh, blogging, he was trying to explain to his uh, fiance, now wife, I'm going to be butchering this story, but he's talking to his his wife and he's trying to explain the value of doing a blog because there's obviously no benefit to doing a blog uh, immediately. And he's like, uh, a blog is a system. It isn't a goal, mm. right? So, mm-hmm. so I, it's a system I implement so that I can increase the probability of getting exposure and accomplishing mm. other goals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think like good strategic design work is more, it is basically, I mean, we it's a name for it. There's a name for it. You know, there there's design systems. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a system, not a goal. Like we need to make sure that all the the, the, the visual quirks and UI and like typography needs to, those decisions need to be made and we need to implement them consistently over time to increase our mm-hmm. probability of being successful as a product. But mm-hmm. like good strategic design work is a system. It's not a goal. It's like, it's a behavior. It's a way we work mm-hmm. to, and then you just have to have faith that like it will play out um, yeah. <laughs> three no, years down the road. That- yeah, that's good. And I, 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 I'm going to take that with me um, because for a while, getting the journey done was the goal, right? Now yeah. the journey's done. It's like, okay, what's the next goal? But now it's not what? really a goal. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, ah, waiting for customers. Like it's it's like now what? Because that was such a, such a goal, but you're right. Like it's a system, right? So like to make strategic design decisions is a system and the goal is, you know, power prosperity worldwide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Aladrian, we're coming up on time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you the question I ask every guest. Um, it's it's the time machine question. And I understand that like there's so much random stuff that happened in your life that you wouldn't change to get where mm-hmm. you're at. But the whole purpose of the time machine question is to say, like, okay, if you could go back in time to any point in your career um, mm-hmm. and change th- something, what would you change? And with the caveat being, you can't say I wouldn't change anything, which I mean, it's a fair answer, but come mm-hmm. on. If you, ha- if you really had a time machine, like you, you wouldn't yeah. change. Would I change. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see if I had a time machine. Oh man. Uh, 
And then I don't want it to be like stupid either. Like, okay, so I'll do this. I'll do it. I'll do this. If I had a time machine and I can go back to when I was working for a Toyota Lexus, I would actually probably buy a car. Like I would buy a Lexus. Um, if I knew, yeah, I would probably buy a Lexus because I, I feel like that's such a weak answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there's deep meaning to it. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, it's so shallow. I would buy the car. You yeah, just want, I would buy you the just car. want a car. <laughs> I just, no, I mean, I have a car, like, and I own a Toyota, but yeah. I probably would have just, you know, taken advantage of the employee perk of getting a car, like a customized car at like oh, a wow. discounted, discounted price. Like I would have done that. And then just like when I left, continued to pay it. You know what I mean? Like, I think <laughs> that's, that's one thing. Um, no, that's a good yeah. answer. Yeah, that's a good answer. And then, uh, I don't know. Everything else is, yeah, everything worked out together. So I'll do the shallow by Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> no, res- respect, respect. Like the, I mean, you, you are, you are pretty early in your career and you mm-hmm. haven't made those mistakes yet to correct them. But, mm-hmm. uh, the, and you also have like great mentorship and stuff like that. But, uh, I, I do appreciate the answer. Like, uh, well, I mean, everything that's happened to me is exactly where I'm at today. And I am early in my career, so I can't really like tell you, I can't rehearse what I haven't like made, uh, invented yet. You know, I can't, mm-hmm. I haven't made the mistakes yet, but, uh, mm-hmm. let me know in a, in a few years. I'd love to hear. Yeah. I'll, I'll circle what, back. We can do like, where are they now? <laughs> yeah. Where, where are they now? Did she buy the Lexus? But this year. Yeah, take advantage of the employee perks. That's why I got out of that. Um, yep. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, Ladrian, and uh, you have a good one. Yeah, thank you so much, Caden. This has been great. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Way of Product Design. If this episode resonated with you, Please share it with your network and write a couple lines on why you found it useful. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help the show grow, please leave a review on Apple or Google's podcast platforms. As always, thanks for listening. You have a good one.